Jeremiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord comes to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. The word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is tilting toward us from the north. The Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. Let's hope he's not talking about the polar vortex. From the north, disaster will be poured out on all the land. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. All right. Thank you so much. And if you are just now tuning in uh, where you've been, but also to just let you know, uh, if you let us know that you are with us and you are a part of things, uh, we're going to be doing a quick little drawing at the end. You have to have your name and how long you've been married. So it's for our married couples on Valentine's Day. Uh, and so we just want to do a, something a little nice for you guys and uh, that kind of thing. So I just want to encourage you. Let us hear from you on the chat. Let us hear that you are there as well as that you have been married for X number of years. And I think Shelly is going to be going around the house because she's got a few folks in here. I think almost everybody in here qualifies. Uh, and Eric's about to leave, but Eric, you know what? Before you leave, thank you so much for the job you did last week. I was just blown away at the job and the and like just the way that you in in uh, encouraged us and did the communion service. It was enlightening. It was challenging. It was a blessing. You did an amazing job. You always do an amazing job, but last week was great. And I just want to say thank you, especially when I was out with COVID. I couldn't be here. Just knowing that you're able to handle that and do such a fantastic job. It's not a surprise, but it is a blessing. So let's hear it for Eric. Thank you so much, buddy. Uh, we appreciate it. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. And I know Eric's going to be stepping back there to be with the teens. Hopefully they are logging on. Well, it is good to see you and uh, be with you today. As you can see, or as you probably got on your email, you'll see that we are beginning a brand new sermon series called Stronger. It's about having a stronger marriage. It's about having a stronger family. It's about having stronger friendships. It's not just simply going to be a, a relationship series where it comes to just your marriage. Um, although we're honoring that today, 
and we'll use those as examples, there are a lot of other things and a lot of other relationships that need to be strengthened to be stronger in our uh, own lives. And I will tell you, there is a book um, by a man named Michael Todd, and uh, he has different uh, things going on in this book than maybe you've heard from one perspective. This is a different kind of perspective. He talks a lot about the Word of God, and he does so in a really modern way. If you want to be a part of kind of going a little deeper or if you're in a relationship where you say, you know what, I think I probably need a little bit more encouragement, a little bit more to see things the way that God would have me to see them, you can buy this book. You can uh, find this book on Audible. You could probably get this book in a lot of other places as well. But um, it's called Relationship Goals by Michael Todd, How to Win at Dating, Marriage, and Sex. So it's not just simply uh, for those who are married. It's all those different ones. Um, And and so it is a great book. I encourage you to be a part of uh, going a little deeper with that. And I'm going to be sharing some quotes over the next few weeks from this book. And uh, hopefully it will be a blessing to you. And let me begin with this quote. This will be right off the bat. We live in a world that has more and more relationships and less and less love, more and more sex and less and less intimacy. And that is so true. Our world is settling for counterfeits, really, the truth be told. And so it is important for us to understand that we as people who follow Christ, we have an identity in Christ that puts us above and beyond kind of the the normal cares and concerns of just the regular world as they go about their day by day and looking for what makes me happy in this very moment. We know that God has a purpose for our lives, and we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, There is a passage of scripture there that I actually use almost all the time in a, uh, in a time where I do somebody's wedding ceremony or whatever. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses 11 and 12 says these words. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? I know they can't do it in Houston, Texas on Valentine's Day in 2021, right? It is not warm outside. I put this in just for this reason, right? But though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. The idea here is is that you have a, a husband and a wife and God the Father in a relationship, The idea is is that you have a a husband and wife unit with God and their family. And that cord of three strands is a strong cord that can't just be broken as easily as just a cord of two strands. It is amazing how much additional strength comes with just that one additional layer of strength in your relationship. And I will promise you that where it comes to relationships, we as Christians need this. And I'll tell you why. The truth is, is that for most Christians, we look just like the world when it comes to to statistics, uh, when it comes to marriages. And and we we need to be very careful and cautious. I don't want to be misunderstood in any way. And whatever has happened in your past life, I am not here to tell you that you've done something wrong or done something negative. I have no idea what the different circumstances are, and I would not ever presume to know. But here's what I do know. I do know that in our world, we as Christians sometimes leave relationships just as quickly as a person who's outside of the family of Christ. There's no real discernible difference. And so having said that, we have to grasp that marriage is not just so I can be happy. 
It is about the holiness of God being displayed. It is about the purpose of God being shown in a a unit that God is in the midst of. Now, I know that that's kind of revolutionary in our world today. It's just about, oh, wouldn't they look cute together? You know, it's just about, oh, well, you know, our marriage kind of happened because unfortunately, you know, relationships have momentum and we just knew that the next step was, well, I guess we got to get married. I mean, we've been dating X number of months or X number of years. And so I'm not really feeling it. You're not really feeling it, but we'll just get married because I think that's what we do next, question mark, (laughs) you know? And so ultimately, this is not where we need to be when it comes to uh, our relationships, especially as Christians. We need to grasp that God has something bigger and better planned for us. And we need to show the world that the strength of God and his power can heal all wounds. Now, let me just say this very quickly. If you don't grasp this, they've grasped this for a long time. And 2020 is a perfect example of how important relationships are. If you haven't felt lonely, if you haven't felt a little bit of isolation, if you haven't wanted to shake somebody's hand and then went, oh, I can't do that. I forgot, right? I mean, if you haven't wanted to try to somehow connect physically with somebody, you are in the very, very, very small minority. Now, I know I'm a hugger. I know that drives some of y'all crazy. All right, I get it. I get it. But here's the deal. Like, I miss you guys. And I'm not, I, I want y'all to see that I wore my mask up on the stage and everything. I was trying to keep my social distance as best I possibly could. But ultimately, I can't wait for the day when this stuff maybe is behind us and we have an opportunity to shake hands again and not freak out or give one another a hug and not freak out. It doesn't have to be a virtual hug. It can be an actual hug. Shelly's working on her social distancing all the time and I'm ready for that to stop as well. Friendships, according to Cicero, say these, they do these things. They, they improve happiness and abate misery. That means dissipate it, make it go away. Because it doubles our joy and it divides our grief. This is so true in our life. This is why relationships can make us stronger than we've ever been. And I'm going to talk about that as we end kind of and move towards the end of today's message. But if you are like me, you have experienced The crazy thing about relationships, and I'm just going to put it up there, and I bet you will know exactly where I'm going with two words, but let's put it up there. All right, how many of you think you know what the two words are going to be? You think you know what the two words are going to be? First one is opposites attract. Now, if you haven't seen this in your relationships You just haven't been paying attention more than likely because the truth is, is you're probably sitting next to somebody at your house at the sofa who is built entirely different than you. They like things the way that you don't like them. And you know, it's just different. They communicate in a different way. One of you is a saver. One of you is a spender, right? One of you thinks this is what we should do with the kids. The other kind of leans in a different direction. And so you go on and on and on down the list and you find yourself attracted sometimes a few different touch points, but a lot of the time, different people. I love being around people. You heard me saying that just a minute ago. Shelly enjoys being around people, but she doesn't gain energy. She doesn't feel it naturally and easily. She's a very friendly person. I want to be very clear. But part of what I always loved about her was she was quiet and reserved and to herself. And she had her stuff together even when we first met in eighth grade. 
eighth grade. It's so weird. Eighth grade. And so I just like, I saw her for the first time. I was like, look at her. She's put together, you know, like she's carrying herself with dignity in class. And me, I'm the class clown, right? And so I needed somebody who was a little different and immediately opposites attract. I won't tell you what eighth grade Randy said about eighth grade Shelly when she walked into the classroom. I will just say that there was an immediate interest right away. Don't put any, fill in any blanks in your head. Don't, it wasn't that bad, but it still wasn't things that you want to say from the pulpit. But opposites attract, all right? Here's what's crazy about opposites attract. There's actually a chemical in neurons, one positive and negative, and they click because they complete each other. And then you try to put a positive and a positive together, and they Have y'all ever experienced that from a set of magnets where you kind of put the negative and the negative together, and they kind of, you know, don't quite work, but the, the positive and negative just click. Now, if that is true in your life, like I think it probably is, if you've got more than one kid, probably you could attest to the fact that there are kids out there that are one way, and they're the same gene pool, they're the same house, everything, but they are incredibly different people. But here is the thing. Those different people, they attract, but they also can make a conflict happen. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but Dr. John Gottman had, has kind of done some studies. He's a guy that I follow. Talks about a lot of the findings in his scientific research in the GottmanInstitute.com. And this one right here says this, managing conflict, solvable versus perpetual problems. I'm going to tell you something that might shock you. Maybe you remember I've shared this before. But according to Dr. Gottman's studies, these opposites that attract don't change fundamentally who we are. And so there are about 69% of the problems and conflicts that happen between a couple are not solvable. They're not solvable. Now, did you hear what I just said? Almost 70% of the conflict that you will have over all of the different times in your life, they're not solvable, they're manageable, but not fixable, just, ah, we got it fixed and it's done. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago about how Andy Stanley says something that could absolutely revolutionize your parenting, revolutionize your friendships, could revolutionize your marriage and your person. Sometimes we think, well, I've already done this, and so it's fixed, and check it off the list. But there are some things that are not going to be fixed and problems that will be solved. They are tensions that will be managed. And I'm here to tell you, as a guy who's been married to the same woman who walked into his eighth grade English class, I'm here to tell you that that 14, 15-year-old young man and young woman who hit it off and had chemistry from the very beginning, sometimes that chemistry has been absolutely magnetic. And sometimes it's just been fireworks, right? But that's okay. I'm not worried about that. I've figured out, this is one of these things that I at first didn't figure out. I was constantly trying to solve the problem and fix the problem and all this stuff. But the truth of the matter is, is that I wasn't going to make Shelly to be an extrovert. I wasn't going to make her who, who's really comfortable just being up here and talking and visiting and all that. Like that's who God created me to be, but not her. 
But she also had to accept that I was created in a different way. And some of the order that she naturally creates in our home, which has been absolutely an incredible blessing, is the kind of thing that my personality can disrupt, right? Why? Because we're just built different. And so both of us have had to move towards the center, And she hasn't fixed me and I haven't fixed her, but we've begun to manage the tension. And if you think that you're going to get married someday because you found the right guy or the right girl and all your problems are going to go away because God's in it, you love them, they love you, and love's going to conquer all, nah, 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 (laughs) nah, 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 hey, hey, hey. Because that's what's going to happen to you. I'm telling you, you can revolutionize your parenting. You can revolutionize all of this stuff. If you stop trying to solve and fix somebody and just say, you know what? We're built different. We're going to be different. And so when there's tension, she's not wrong. He's not wrong. We're both just doing things from our perspective. And yeah, there's definitely sin that can be mixed in there, but a lot of the time it's just tension that's just got to be managed. And if you don't figure that out, you will struggle, you will be frustrated, and you're looking for something that just doesn't exist. Can I get an amen? Can I get a better amen? Amen? I knew I could because there's only a handful of y'all, the rest of y'all stayed home. You're still in your PJs. Y'all pay attention now, okay? Don't go to sleep and make sure and get your names in. All right, well, hey, check this out. There's a great video that I want you to take a look at. It's called Words from the Heart. So there's this holiday created to celebrate love. And it's got all the bells and whistles, candy, cards, a day for chocolate and flowers, outdoing the year before if I can help it. There's this mad rush to the store in a haste to find the gift to express my affection for the one I just can't live without. Until alas, I find the perfect sentiment (laughs) written by someone I don't even know. There's a different way to look at love, to share love beyond words, beyond sentiment, beyond a single day, a whole new way to look at the word love. See, Jesus showed us another way, how to stoop down and lift up the broken. Make sure the last in life are treated like the first. Show the most favor to the least likely. Hang out with those that have nothing to offer me. Reach out and forgive even when it's not asked for. Ask forgiveness even when I don't think I need it. What a way to love to give, not just from my pocket, but from my heart too. To love them beyond what they can produce. Like them for more than their talent. Hug them despite their social status. See, Jesus showed me the type of love that doesn't stick to a holiday, that speaks beyond a card, that blossoms long after a flower dies. That's the kind of love I want, I need, that I'll give, The type of love that overflows from the most amazing grace. So there's this holiday created to celebrate love. (laughs) Just in case you didn't get it the first time, I was going to make sure. 
It is so true, isn't it? I mean, we have an opportunity to be called back just because of Valentine's Day. It hits the calendar and it gives us an opportunity to recommit ourselves to loving as God has loved us. We'll talk even more about that in just a few moments. Now, let me just begin with this passage of Scripture. We're going to talk through and share a couple of the things that Eric had read a few moments ago. It might seem a little weird if you heard this passage of Scripture and said, now we're going to talk about relationships, but it really does make a huge difference and a huge impact. And here is your something to learn from this passage of Scripture. Unlike many other Old Testament prophets, Jeremiah was an ally of King Josiah. If you've read the Old Testament, you know that one of the things that happens a lot is you've got the prophet who is constantly talking about and talking to the king, the king going in the wrong direction, the prophet saying, you've got to turn around, you've got to do these things different, and he's basically an enemy. In Jeremiah's case, he's an ally. And if you can think about this for just a moment from the perspective of Jeremiah, the idea of being an ally rather than an enemy puts you in very rare company. Also, let me tell you that basically, as best we can tell, Jeremiah was called to be a prophet at approximately age 20. Age 20. Now, I was just a couple of months shy, a couple of weeks shy actually of being 20 years old when i married my wife now i can tell you as we look back you have to shake your head we do this all the time we're like what were we thinking what were we thinking that is insane and yet here we are still today well i'm here to tell you Jeremiah speaking to the entire nation of Israel for God himself. He had to have looked back in his older days and said, what in the world? Why did God choose a 20-year-old to do his work in this way? And he was also known as the weeping prophet. If you go back and look at all the other prophets, you can see that Jeremiah is dramatically different. Most of the people who were prophets were the kind of people that would be in your face. They'd be like the, the man Elijah. They would be like John the Baptist later who came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. They would get in your face. They would point a finger and say, you are going the wrong direction. And this is what the Lord says. You have to turn around before you face consequences that will be dire. Instead of that kind of message, Jeremiah weeps. He even is the writer of the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament. Lamentations being the one that he is just lamenting over the case and the problems that Israel is facing. He is different in every way. He is too young to be a prophet. He is not the kind of prophet that most people are used to. And he is an ally for the king. So he's dramatically different. And yet God did not call him to be Elijah. God did not call him to be any of the other prophets like Jonah or, you know, Nahum or Joel or Amos or any of them. He called Jeremiah to be Jeremiah. And so it is so important that we grasp this. And I want you to hear a passage of scripture that maybe you've heard before, but it is from the call of Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter one. And God is speaking to him. He is commissioning him as a prophet and as you can imagine, this 20-year-old boy hearing the voice of God and him laying on his heart that he will be a prophet to the entire nation and Jeremiah going, what? What? No way. I'm just not fit for the task. 
But here is what God says. The word of the Lord came to me. That's Jeremiah writing. And he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew or chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak and I am too young. If you were in Jeremiah's sandals, that's exactly what you would have said, right? Amen. I mean, you'd been like, not me, Lord. Keep it looking. Keep going. I'm not the guy who's got the qualifications to fill that situation. But here is what Michael Todd says in his book, and it goes right along with this. Life tries to label you. And I'm going to just say this very quickly. Sometimes the biggest voice that's trying to label us is our own. I can't fathom it, and yet I know that it's true in my life and yours. The biggest voice trying to label you for less than your worth is your own. If that is true, pay attention. Life tries to label you, but Christ has identified you before you were a wife, a husband, a mommy, daddy, a business owner, a graduate, a daughter, son, or athlete. You had an identity. God says you're called. He says you're loved. He says you're significant. He says you're forgiven. You are his masterpiece and his child. Identity can only be given by God. Here is what I'm here to tell you today. God's purpose for your life will clarify so much and so many of the things that you don't grasp, so many of the things that are causing ripple effects in the negative in your relationships, whether it's how you parent your kids, how you deal with your spouse, how you love or don't love friends and extended family. These things are happening because you may not be aware or you may not be living to the fullness of how God has said, this is who you are. In other words, if you are a person who is ashamed of their past, God has already labeled you as forgiven. But he cannot make you feel forgiven that it is a decision that you have to embrace. And usually you have to embrace it more than once. You have to embrace it sometimes time after time, week after week. It's not a problem to be solved. It's a tension to be managed. It's a conversation that continues in your own head every single time you feel the dread, you feel the pit in your stomach kicking in and saying, you're not good enough. How dare you say something? How dare you be a person who speaks on God's behalf? I'm too young. You got the wrong guy, says Jeremiah. God says, no, 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 no. I got the right guy. You know, as a matter of fact, I not only was there when you were born, but I was there even before you were born. And you had a purpose before you were even born. I have three daughters and one of them was planned by me. Shelly played a part as well. I'll go ahead and admit that right now. <laughs> she also had a plan that was Tatum. The other twos were accidents. <laughs> Some of the most beautiful things in my life were not planned by me. They were planned by God. 
I'm here to tell you that there is no such thing as an unplanned child. There is no such thing as a child who is unexpected in God's eyes. I'm here to tell you that everything that might seem like it is unexpected is exactly where God's plan is leading you. I wouldn't change a single thing about what God's plan had for me, even when I wasn't on his page. This world says that there are people who are unexpected and unplanned, and I'm here to tell you there is no such thing. I didn't necessarily plan to talk about this, but I'm just going to mention this and keep moving. The biggest influence in my life outside of the Lord has been my wife. And those of you who don't know her, you might think or assume that she comes from a perfect background, but that's not necessarily true. Her mom and dad were never married. And um, so she was unplanned. (laughs) It has been my privilege to have a front row seat to see God's plan, overcoming man's plan, and how much better it is. I hope you guys understand where I'm coming from, and you know why I'm emotional about this. I'm just so grateful for my best friend that is also a woman that I still love to this day. I I still have a crush on my first wife. Yes, it's true. Shelly's my first wife. <laughs> don't, don't forget and don't miss this. I want you to don't, don't miss this. When God called Jeremiah, his first inclination was not to embrace obedience, but to offer excuses. I have a feeling that in your situation, you might be the same. My first reaction is not to embrace obedience to God, but to say, hold on, I'm going to offer an excuse. I'm, I'm too young. I don't know how to speak. Why would they ever listen to a 20-year-old, Lord? What are you thinking? But here is what we know. There's no excuses. In Jeremiah chapter 1, a little further down in this passage of Scripture, the Lord said to me, don't say I'm too young. All you got to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it in Texas language. All you got to do is go where I send you and say what I tell you to say. That's it. That ain't hard. Just do that and we're going to be good. And then he says, don't be afraid of them. I am with you and I will rescue you. I've created you. You are mine. Everything in your life, it is mine and I'm redeeming it and I'm bringing good out of it. Here is what I would say to you. No excuses. Jeremiah offered him. God wouldn't listen. He said, no, 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 no. I've got a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I have a purpose that was there before you even were born. And so let me just share this with you. I know I got emotional. I know I felt like I needed to move on. I'm going to hit the brakes real quick. And I'm here to tell you that you need to tell some people in your lives. Some of you need to talk to some of the people in your lives and tell them, you know what, son? You know what, sweetie? My daughter, I am so glad that we are still together. I am so glad that you are a part of my life and I am a part of your life. And nothing is ever going to change that. You were given to me as a gift from God. 
It's not been easy. It's not been perfect. But I'm here to tell you that I would never, ever, ever change whatever has happened in the past because you are a product of that thing that brought you into this world. It is God's plan, and I am here for it 1,000%. Like, tell them. Never let them think that they were unplanned and that you are upset. Instead, let them hear that they are absolutely a gift from God. Now, here's the deal. Here's the big idea. God's purpose takes priority in your life over the people that come into it. Now, I'm going to share this with you again, and then we'll all say it aloud together if you don't mind. Um, This is the big idea. God's purpose takes priority in your life over the people who come into it. Now, we're going to say it, and then I'll explain it, because some of you are like, huh? I don't know. That doesn't sound very godly. I'm just going to talk about it. Hang with me. But would you guys say the big idea with me out loud together? God's purpose takes priority in your life over the people who come into it. Now, here's what I want to share with you. If you are a person who doesn't grasp or understand this, Go back and read what the scriptures say in a place like Luke chapter 14, where Jesus speaks to people and there's a large crowd following him. They want to follow him, but they don't really want to sacrifice. They want to follow him, but they don't want to truly be a disciple. There's a difference. And so in that passage of scripture in Luke chapter 14, he says something to them that is powerful. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. He turned to them and said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, and yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be their disciple. So that's what we're learning today. Go out there and hate everybody. Let's pray. No, 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 not that. Jesus is saying here, in comparison to your love for him, all the people that come and go in your life, The the level should be beyond. Now, I don't know about you, but I realized more than ever before, before I had children, I had kids, and I had a brand new perspective on God's love. Didn't you? Can I get an amen in the chat? Can I get an amen in the house? Isn't it true? I mean, like you didn't know you could ache like that for a person that didn't do anything but take up all of your time and scream and squall all throughout the night. I'm not saying that you felt that way in that moment, but you know what I'm saying. You had no idea that all that you wanted to do was care for and protect and watch over and provide for this little bitty life that was nothing but a time drain on you. How is that even possible? Because you are finally grasping the love of God the Father And you are caring about that child because you say, that child is mine. That child is identified with me. Do you hear where I'm going with this? If you don't grasp that you have already been called and claimed as a child of God, you will sell yourself so cheap as compared to what you are actually worth. Men, Some of you guys are making fools of yourself. You're making fools of yourself. You're doing stupid stuff that you're going to look back and go, my goodness, what was I thinking? Ladies, some of you 
are cheapening yourself in ways that you don't want to do, but you think you have to do, and you are not right. You don't have to. All of us are children of God. God help us to act like the children that are identified by his name. It's his purpose that takes priority because here's the problem. Just like he says in John, 1 John chapter 4, he says, we love because he first loved us. If we haven't grasped why we have an identity that is bigger and better than what we want in this moment, we're not this bundle of needs that has to get met somehow and please validate me. Like that silliness begins to fade when we grasp, I'm a child of God, man. He's got a plan and a purpose for my life. And so if this person that's coming into my life leaves my life, it doesn't change who I am. It doesn't change who God is making me into. It doesn't change what I'm called to do in God's kingdom. It's so important that you grasp this. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they haven't seen. And he's given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. You're like, what? Hold on, time out. thought we were supposed to hate brother and sister. Now we're talking about loving brother and sister. I just can't keep up. No, you get it. You understand. The concept here is to love in a godly love and love in a way that puts you on God's page first and everything else falls into place. And I believe the next slide that I need to share with you is from Michael Todd. He says something so insightful. It's right up here on the screen. It's important to see how our relationship with God should come first and above all other relationships. And then I kind of shortened it and condensed it. It's the ultimate relationship. All of our blessings flow out of that relationship. In fact, one of those blessings is that he enables us to do our other relationships at their highest possible level. He breaks it all down into one sentence. And don't remember anything, just remember this. When we put God first, he'll bless the rest. Can I tell you something? I know that you guys see me here preaching and teaching about relationships. I know that you see our situation, you see us on social media or whatever it might be. You know, we're just like a lot of other people. We're not putting all of the hardest times and all the most difficult situations out there on social media. I'm here to be as honest and as transparent as I possibly can. And I'm not saying this so you'll feel cringy. I'm not saying this so you'll go, what? I'm saying this so you will understand. I believe with all of my heart that if Shelly hadn't been wholly committed to God, and if I hadn't been wholly committed to God, we would not have made it. Marriage is hard. And it's not just hard for people who aren't in the church. It's just hard. I tell her all the time, I'm like, how many different people have we become when we've been married. We've been married 30 years. We dated for three before that. How many different people do you become over a 33-year span, right? And she goes a little that way, and I go a little that way, and suddenly we find ourselves on totally different pages. I'm going to tell you something. When our girls all left, it was not easy because we had made a mistake where we had begun to drift, and there was more we than the two of us. There was more family than just the two of us. We tried. 
We did try, but we dropped the ball a couple of times. And I would encourage you just as friend to friend, pastor to, to person in the congregation, just listen, value that, make that important because the worst thing that could happen to you is that you guys split because the only thing that is keeping you together is the kids and the bills. Man, that ain't no way to live. All right, here's the principles. Very quickly, I'm going to try to pick it up here. I, I know I'm, I'm running short on my time, and I hope that these things are going to speak to you. I believe that they will. God's purpose takes priority over the people that come and go in your life, including your kids. Love the God who gave your kids more than you love your kids, because if you do, it'll all make sense. And that kid won't think that they're the center of the universe, which is a whole other set of problems, Right? God's purpose takes priority over everyone who comes and goes in our life. He is the giver and he is the center. Let's keep moving here very quickly. Todd's quote that he shared with this, uh, I want to just kind of um, share this real quickly. It's important to see our relationship with God should come first above all other relationships. We've already been here. I just want to make sure that you get it. When we put God first, he's going to bless the rest. Now, very quickly, let me ask a big question and ask you this as we move. Are the people that God has placed in your life progressing in reaching their potential? Are you helping them to be the best that they possibly can be? Because the truth of the matter is, is that for most of us, we've bought into what the world says. It is all about me. This is about my happiness. I don't think I'm getting what I need from this relationship. Please don't ask me if I'm putting into this relationship what I should be right? I mean, but you know, it, it, it all makes so much sense when you hear it because we've heard it so much, but when you really stop and dissect it, it's kind of crazy. Like two people living together and sharing their lives and spending their lives together is going to be easy. No, no, not even close. It's going to be hard. It is something important and it is going to be difficult. And for most of us, man, we're here for the joy. We're here for the fun. We're here for the trips. We ain't so much here for changing the diapers. We're here for the good times. And we're here to enjoy that stuff that comes from having a partner. But then when it gets hard or they don't really make us happy the way we feel like they should, we're not here for it anymore. That's what's scary. For most of us, we're like the relational equivalent of skipping leg day. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Do any of you guys, any of y'all know what it's like? I mean, look at this dude. As my, as my kids say, dude's got a Dorito body. He's shaped like a Dorito. He goes this small at the waist and like V's out. But look at that. Don't skip leg day, bro. Do the hard work so you don't look silly. Relationally, do the hard work as you go. Here's the problem for most people as I've seen it. And I'm saying it this as honestly as I possibly can. For most of us, here's what happens. I've said this a hundred times. For most of us, what happens is, usually it's the wife who comes to the husband and says, I don't think we're going to make it. We need help. And the husband's like, what are you talking about? We're good. I'll be better. And then they change a little couple weeks later, back into the same old routine. Wife comes back, do this little dance three or four times. And then eventually the wife comes and says, you know what? I'm done and I'm gone. Sometimes she says, I'm done, I'm gone, I'm taking the kids. 
where I'm done, I'm going to get your stuff. I don't know how it always works, but you know what I'm saying. And then you know what the husband says? <laughs> Can't we just work on this? This is the difficulty. We are at different places all the time, and so we're at different places in our relationship. And when you're ready to work on it, she isn't. And when she's ready to work on it, you're not. And the frustration that you have spills over when she says, can we work on it? And it's like, well, if you would just work on you, everything would be fine. That's what both of you are thinking at the exact same time. And none of us is thinking we are both children of God who actually want to make this work. How can we do it? We're desperately holding on to our pride instead of giving and becoming what we ought to be. A lot of excuses, a lot of excuses, because it's usually easier to blame somebody else than to say, you know what, this is my job. Guys, can I just tell you something? For us, I want to call us out and tell us that we, men, we need to be more interested in being the spiritual leaders in our homes. Now, I'm not talking about the person who makes choices and decisions and pontificates and acts like the king and people bring me my slippers and my bathrobe and all that stuff. That's why God gave me kids, right? Like, don't do that. But here's what I want to share with you. I want to share this, this great quote. It's from Joe DiMaggio. So we as guys, we can grasp it. We can get it, right? Joe DiMaggio, he said something amazing He says, a person becomes their best. They become a natural leader just by the example that they set. Don't give excuses for what you can't do. Just serve like crazy. Be the person who says the nicest things and does the most sacrificing in your family. I promise you, you will become the spiritual leader, not because of what you said, but because of what you've done. There's a great quote that I just ran across. It said, the world is not changed by your opinion. The world is changed by your example. If you want to see your world change, if you want to see your family change, quit telling people how it ought to change and just show them by the way that you live. Do that and then watch how things begin to change because you've given yourself over. He said, you know what, God, there's too much here than me just walk away. I'm going to become more of what you have purposed in my life to be and I'm going to become less than what I thought I wanted to be. Very quickly, Oh, man, so much stuff I want to share. Let me just share this second principle with you very, very quickly. These are the two principles that I hope you'll grasp today. The first one is we should never value God's purpose for our life over any person. We should always value that. I'm sorry, I said that incorrectly. And then secondly, we should value progress, not insist on perfection. I shared with you guys earlier that I would tell you that we barely made it out of our honeymoon. All right, here's what happened. It was, it was a night not unlike tonight, okay? We got married and we had weather like this, except for it was icy and snowy and we were snow skiing. And so my parents gave us a great place to stay. We loved to snow ski. We were having a blast. We had a terrific time. If you've never been snow skiing or if you've never been in really, really genuinely cold weather, you dress in layers, So you have like an undershirt and then a t-shirt and then a thick long sleeve shirt and then a flannel and then a jacket and all the layers just kind of insulate you. Can I get an amen from Wisconsin in the house, right? Amen. Okay. So you dress in layers and I'm just, I told you who I am or at least who I used to be. We got off the slopes and man, I was tired. We'd had a blast. I was hungry. I wanted to chill with my, my sweet little honey on my honeymoon, right? And so I just decided, you know, I'm going to get comfortable. 
And so I just take off my jacket, put it wherever. I take off my flannel shirt, put it wherever. I'm walking into the kitchen. I'm putting stuff that I should be wearing over the, you know, the bar and all that stuff. And like finally, like the third day, my wife goes like radio silent. And I'm like, hey, what's up? She's like, nothing. (laughs) What's wrong? Nothing. Of course there's something wrong. I know none of y'all have ever had to deal with that, but that's what happened. By the way, this is what we look like uh, back in the day. You just need to understand, like the, the mini moulet, uh, mullet, moulet, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that. There's barely room in that picture for me because of my wife's hair, but I am so into it. I'm so into it. I'm the guy who ate the guy on the left. That's right. Yeah. So when she looked about like that and I looked about like that, like I put clothes everywhere and I said, babe, what's wrong? She says, nothing. Finally, I get it out of her and she just literally says to me, I remember this to this day. She goes, are you going to pick up anything at all on our honeymoon? Because <laughs> I like had piles, like I had probably six piles. I know I'm a terrible person. I was like 19. I had some growing up to do. I had a lot of growing up to do. I know some of you guys can totally identify. Some of y'all even know what I'm talking about. But can I just share this with you? Like, go back to the title slide. The title slide, do you see the point? The point is, is when you see the other person, you don't just see who they are. You see who they can be. Oh, God, thank you that you don't see us as we are, but that you see us as we can be be and as we can become. I love this just great reminder and go back to Jeremiah. (laughs) It's so cool. In this passage of scripture, as Eric read it, maybe you caught it, maybe you didn't. Do you remember I said, God just says to him, all you got to do is just go where I tell you to go and say what I tell you to say. That's all you need to do to be a good prophet. And then God does something that is absolutely full of grace. He says, here's a vision. Now, Jeremiah, open your mouth. Tell me what you see. Here's it is. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. And the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly. And then he tells him why he saw the branch of an almond tree. And then the word of the Lord came to me again and said, What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling. I answered, and God says, it is tilting, or then I continued, it is tilting towards us from the north. And then God's telling him what that's all about. In other words, God goes through it with him. He's like, Jeremiah, when you see what I give you as a vision, you just say it. Let's practice. I am so grateful that the craziness of a 19-year-old kid did not un, you know, unhinge a woman, did not drive a woman crazy because of all the little weird things that I did as a 19-year-old boy. And she didn't see me as broken. She saw me and the potential that God could use me in. <laughs> One of the best things that ever happened is Shelly and I were dating and we were going to be getting married and I started to feel the call of God on my life to be a pastor. I'm grateful for her answer 
I don't know what would have happened. I'd like to think that the purpose of God would have reigned. I don't know. I was pretty smitten. But I asked her the question. I said, I've got a really weird thing to talk to you about. How would you feel about being a preacher's wife? (laughs) And she said, I'm good with it. Most of you have never been a preacher's wife where the expectations are incredibly high, the responsibilities are incredibly high, and the gratitude is incredibly low. I'm not saying that in any way to shame anyone. I'm just saying that Shelly is behind the scenes. I just think it's very, very easy for us sometimes to forget you know, the importance of things. I just would share this with you very quickly. I guess some of you, maybe you can grasp this. This is 301, 401 level stuff when it comes to relationships. When you see people who need to be pulled towards better, make it your mission to do it on the kindest, most encouraging way possible. In other words, when you see somebody that needs to be pulled towards better, Do that in a way that is the most loving and the kindest way possible. For most of us, we're quick to say what we don't like and why we don't like it and do so in a way that leaves scars and marks. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. The biggest agent of change in your life outside of God and the Holy Spirit are the relationships that sometimes rub on you like sandpaper. You guys understand what I'm saying? Y'all have been there. There are things in my life that had to die if I was ever going to be the man that God called me to be. And the agent of change in that was the Holy Spirit and the Lord. But in the personal place, it was my wife. And I want to warn you against something. For most of us, they will say things to us that nobody else ever says. Kids will tell you something about you that you don't ever want to hear. And you will dismiss it because it feels like criticism. But don't miss this. God is speaking through them to make you better. But it can make you bitter if you're not very, very careful. This is why so many relationships die when they move out of the house. This is why so many parent-to-child relationships die when they move out of the house because you never asked for forgiveness and you didn't even know there was a problem, but yet you got space and they never came back. It's so important to grasp. Here's the big question that I want to just share with you, a big question. Who is God using to pull you towards progress? And how are you handling that situation? And how are you handling the people that he's using to do that? It's not easy, but it's really, really important and valuable. (laughs) Nobody knows me better than my wife. Nobody pulls me towards being better more than my wife. (laughs) One of the best things I ever saw in a movie was in the movie As Good As It Gets. Some of you are old enough to remember Jack Nicholson, Helen Hunt, the movie As Good As It Gets. She's angry with him and she looks at him and she says, you know, something about giving a compliment. And he said, I'm going to give you a compliment. And they go back and forth and there's anger and frustration. And he looks at her and he says, here's my compliment. 
you make me want to be a better man. And it breaks her down because you realize that in a good relationship, you are constantly in tension, but you are constantly allowing love and grace to flood in. And you both become better as you both change, as you both evolve. As you evolve with your kids, you don't treat them like they're seven when they're 17. You know, you evolve with them and you let them grow and you demand that they grow and you practice along with them as God did with Jeremiah. What do you see? Let me walk you through this so you don't have to worry. Let me be the one who holds your hand the first time. And then you'll fly when the time comes. But I'm going to be with you from moment one. This is what real relationships are supposed to be about. They're the kind of thing that makes us stronger. These are the things that can change, but they have to change in the supernatural because the natural man, every time I'm injured, every time I'm frustrated, every time I'm hurt, every time you say something that may be true but hurts my feelings, I want to run and I want to become bitter and not become better. God wants to use it in a way to make me better. Here's how you can apply this message, and I'm, and I'm closing quickly. Here's how you apply this message. You ask yourself, is there progress in my own purpose according to the Lord? Is what he's doing in my life affecting and blessing other people? Because he's called us to be a conduit, not to be a receiving vessel. We talked about this already. But then let me ask you this. Have you praised others and poured into others? Because God did not give you a purpose that is just meant for you to shine. Who are you pouring into? Who are you praising on a regular basis that helps them to become the person that God wants them to be? He is doing a work in you. He is doing a work through you. You can't choose one or the other. It's both. And if it's not both, you're missing what he's trying to do through these relationships. He's wanting to make them and you stronger. Very quickly as I end, Abraham Lincoln said one time as he was coming in, as a, being inaugurated, the South was about ready to leave and the North was trying to ask them to stay. And they left and they seceded from the nation and the Civil War began. <laughs> Civil War. Interesting. And in the midst of that time just before the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln begged them with these words. He said, we're not enemies. We're friends. We must not be enemies. Though passion or the, the, the emotion that's writing might have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection for one another. The mystic cords of memory stretching from every battlefield and patriot grave to every living heart and hearthstone all over this broad land will yet swell the chorus of union and when again touched as surely they will be by the better angels of our nature. I love that last line, the better angels of our nature. Where Abraham Lincoln says, you know what? There's something inside of you that's reaching towards better but you are letting bitter push us apart. We can be stronger as a union together, but we need one another and we need both of us. In your relationships, 
I encourage you over the next couple of weeks, be here as we talk about this, how you can reach your kids when they've strayed and gone, how you can reach to friends that you thought were gone for good. The truth of the matter is, is that I believe with all of my heart, God can not only make you stronger, make them stronger, but we can be stronger together. But he's got to be in it. And if you've ever doubted, especially if you're a person who thinks, you know what? The time is now. I'm leaving because what I've got here is dead, buried, and gone. I'm here to tell you, God is the God of resurrection. God is the God of healing. God is the God of goodness and redeeming things that seem to be dead and buried. If you will give him a chance and give his power an opportunity to run free in your life, you might be shocked and amazed at what God can and will do. Heavenly Father, help us to always remember who you are. You are the God who turns graves into gardens. You are the God who gives forgiveness. You are the God who gives grace. You are the God who brings healing in every way. May we be yours and may we be an example of your goodness and your grace in our world. In Jesus' name.